0: We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Welcome to the ERLC Podcast, where our goal is to help you think biblically about today's cultural issues. I'm Lindsay Nicolay, and today we're talking about adoption and posture care. We believe it's clear in God's Word that His perfect design is for many people to eventually unite as one man and one woman in a lifetime of marriage. That marriage, in many cases, leads to the blessing of children, and establishes a family that glorifies God and benefits society. Unfortunately, in a fallen world, reality is messy. Marriage is put off and misunderstood. Families are broken and difficult. Infertility is faced far too often, and children are vulnerable and in need. That's where adoption and foster care comes in to provide care for these children and help them find the loving and safe families that they were made for. The need for these ministries, organizations, and for people to get involved has only grown since the Dobbs decision overturning a federal right to abortion. Joining us on this episode is Herbie Newell, someone who understands this reality more than most. He's the president and executive director of Lifeline Children's Services and its ministry arms. Under Herbie's leadership, Lifeline has increased international outreach to 25 countries through adoption and strategic orphan care, obtained licensure in 17 states, and established the foster care arm at Lifeline. The heartbreaking reality of life in a fallen world is that there are children and families who are broken and unable to function in a healthy way. Many of those children are either placed into the foster care system or wait for adoption into a forever family. Herbie Newell sheds light on the current state of the foster care system and adoptions in the United States and what that means for us as a church.
1: We're seeing more kids that are entering into government systems, albeit foster care or really even just being tracked by the government because of parents that are unable to take care of them or parents who are uh, unfortunately and tragically showing neglect or not able to provide financially, emotionally, to bring that stability to kids. At the same time, what we see is an increasing level of trauma in kids that are available for adoption. We see those kids getting older, and both of those things make adoption, which has always been something that I would say is something that's a difficult thing, but it's made it that much more challenging because we're dealing with children that have lived in systems of trauma and abuse and neglect. We're dealing with children who are now much older. And so from a developmental stage, and one of the things we know is zero to two is such a crucial time for brain development, for emotional development. And when there's not stability from zero to two, it does create more trauma elements. It creates opportunities for children to not attach as well through adoption. And so really what we've seen is a lot of adoptions that are causing struggles within families, which is kind of pouring cold water on families to enter in that process, while also seeing more kids enter into the foster care system. And so while I don't wanna sound like a red alarm and say, you know, the ship's burning, and you need to start jumping off, I do want to say we have an urgent opportunity to be able to engage, not just from an adoptive and foster care standpoint, but from a real wrap around the system and wrap around vulnerable families and vulnerable children, pre-foster care, as well as post-foster care.
0: Several factors over the last few years, including the Dobbs decision, which was rightfully celebrated, have had practical effects on the foster care system that we need to think through. So what are they and how can we respond?
1: Let's celebrate. There is life that's being born that we have to believe would have been aborted. That's a good thing. However, the hard reality of that is you also have a lot of maybe moms and dads that were not prepared and were not ready and maybe even didn't desire having a child into their home and we are seeing our foster care system grow and expand with more children being brought in. And we have to realize that as we get further and further away from the Dodge decision, it's just gonna be more children. Again, praise the Lord that are being born, but that are now going into the foster care system. I think the other thing, unfortunately, that has happened with the COVID-19 pandemic It really slowed the process down. And even though we're sitting here three plus years past kind of the the advent of the COVID-19 pandemic, all of that went to actually slow down the entering into foster care and adoption by families and even families of the church. So you had two things at play with a slowdown naturally because of global and pandemic events with the Dobbs decision, praise the Lord but that has created now more children that need intervention. And so there is a chasm that's there that's growing where you're seeing fewer folks willing to intervene and yet more kids that need intervention. I do see the church and pro-life America waking up to the idea that we can't just be pre-birth intervention. We also have to start looking at post-birth intervention. How are we going to care for these women? How are we going to care for these children? How are we going to care ultimately for the systems? And with any great movement, I do see that energy beginning to build where I think more churches that we talk to are going to end up saying, hey, we want to do something proactive and we want to go ahead and start talking about how we can help in the future. And I think that is a good outcome. And hopefully, Lord willing, The church will now rise to the occasion to say, hey, let's take all the energy we had in overturning Roe and let's start placing some of that energy with adoption and foster care.
0: Pastors and ministry leaders play a vital role in motivating the church to take on the present challenges in adoption and foster care work. They can help Christians see that God's Word calls us to care for the vulnerable all throughout their lives. Here's Herbie discussing how pastors and leaders can help cultivate a holistic, wraparound pro-life culture within their churches and ministries.
1: It may sound trite, but it's true. We need to preach the whole counsel of God's Word, and we need to preach it with boldness and with clarity. And if you look throughout God's Word in the Old Testament and the New Testament consistently, the poor, the needy, the vulnerable, the orphan, the widow are consistently mentioned in the old and in the new, by Jesus and by the prophets, by Moses all the way through. We must preach the full counsel of God's word. And we have to realize that what God calls us to is a narrow path. It's hard. It's difficult. But he always promises his guidance. He always promises his provision. And we've got to call people to care. We've got to call people to action. We've got to let them see that through God's word. The great thing about this call by the Lord is a lot of time in God's word. It's not as applicable. I mean, he says, go do this, but he doesn't tell you how to do it. But in caring for the orphan and the vulnerable, he's told us exactly how to do it. In in the beautiful book of Ruth, Ruth is an orphan. She is a widow. And she is a stranger and an alien. And in Ruth chapter two, she enters into the field of Boaz. And there are ways that Boaz cares for Ruth practically. There are things he does for her to pour into her. There are things he does to defend her and to protect her and to provide even her most basics that she needs. And so we need to tell the church, have we've been called to do this and we've been given an example of how to do that and how we can really care for the most vulnerable when our churches become missional towards the nations towards our neighbors and to the most vulnerable, then we 're truly fulfilling the great Commission to go and make disciples of all and we've got to call and again you know Luke chapter. Jesus goes to his hometown synagogue in Nazareth and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah and he says, I've come to bring good news to the captives, to the blind, and to the weak, to those that are failing. And he says, Now you go and do the same. And so we've got to follow the commands of Jesus to go and to care for the vulnerable. When our churches begin to get that call, it means we need to be resourced. It means we need to count the cost. We need to make sure we've got the pieces in place. But that's when the church really starts to take steam. And I would say, pastor, too, you don't have to run the ministry, but you have to endorse it and you have to show from God's word why it's important.
0: When it comes to adoption and foster care, everybody can do something. Not everyone is called to welcome a child into their home, but everyone can contribute in some way. So what are a few practical next steps Christians can take to get involved in adoption and foster care?
1: I would speak to the church and speak to brothers and sisters to say the very first thing I think we have to do is we have to start praying. We've got to start looking introspectively and say, Lord, how would you want me to be involved? And this is something that anyone in church, anyone in Christendom can do, and not only can do, we're called to do. We're not called to adopt or foster, but we are called to intervene on behalf of the vulnerable, the widow, the orphan, the stranger, and the alien. And so when we ask the Lord, the God of heaven, hey, how do you want me to personally intervene? He will show you how to show up. We need senior adults in our churches that are willing to give the wisdom to a young mom who's going through a crisis pregnancy. We need senior adults in our churches to come alongside of an adoptive family who has a child in their home and they're tired and they need encouragement. They need someone to pray for them. They need maybe someone to be a grandparent to that child and take them for a day or to go and do something fun with them. We need young people in our church who are going to be friends to the new child that just came home through foster care in the nursery or in the preschool or in student ministry. It's a goal and a mission for all the church, no matter the age. And then I think for that family that goes, am I called to foster? Am I called to adopt? It is a heart-wrenching decision and one that you need to count the cost. And again, scripturally, right? We see Jesus said, hey, before you go count the cost. And in the same way, I look at adoption and foster care very much like I do someone signing up to be a church planner with the North American Mission Board or someone signing up to be a missionary with the International Mission Board. You count the cost you go through prayerfully that decision. You start to take the steps and you you begin to follow the Lord as He leads you to what is your responsibility and what are you supposed to do? Because I would tell any family, if you're called to adoption, you're called to crucial ministry within your home, but you're also called to crucial ministry outside of your home. So if you're called to adopt internationally, that country of origin Is going to be a focus point of the missional energy of your home and your family. If you're called to adopt domestically, that birth mother and that birth family is now going to be the missional force of your family, as well as in foster care. That extended family, that biological family also becomes a part of the force of your family. And I think when the church does that, and that's why we're called, I believe, to do this by the Lord, not the world, not government, but the church. Because we understand the mission, the mission so much greater than what's just right in front of us. The mission is bigger. And when we start to minister to countries, when we start to minister to biological families, when we start to minister to those that are broken with the hope of the gospel of Christ Jesus, we will start to see life change. And my hope and my prayer is that ultimately, by the church getting engaged and getting involved, that we would step into those broken systems, not just with adoption and foster care, but with the hope of the gospel, with gospel intervention, by caring, by showing up, by teaching job skills, by offering opportunities to the vulnerable and helping them be able to thrive and survive, that there comes a day where I hope we need less and less adoptive and foster families because there's less and less children that are having to leave their biological families.
0: There's a mountain of need in adoption and foster care ministries, so a Christian's participation is crucial. Yet many Christians are hesitant to get involved. But why is that the case? Here's Herbie with what he thinks are factors that prevent Christians from taking a personal role in foster care and adoption efforts.
1: I think a lot of it, unfortunately, is the lack of support that they receive from the church. I've spoken to a lot of adoptive and foster families that feel like they become ostracized within even their own church sometimes. Because unfortunately within the church, we've got this idea that because we're believers, because we're trying our best (laughs) to disciple our children inside of our home, that there's a standard of behavior that our children should have. And so when you bring a child in through adoption or foster care, and that standard of behavior is different, Not only do we want to have safety and protection physically, there's a safety and protection emotionally. I don't want to be different. I don't want to be someone who has to stand on the outside. And I think there's a natural progression. I've heard lots of adoptive and foster families say, especially those that adopt kids that have come from hard places, that have trauma, that have a special need, that are walking with difficulties is they all of a sudden begin to be highlighted like with a spotlight within their church because their children are different. Their, their family is different. And so I think what we've got to do as the church is realize, again, we are a place for broken sinners who've been redeemed by the body of Christ, which means that we're going to have all different expressions of the way our family life may look like in brokenness. We may have a lot of different ways, even from our own sinful past that have affected the generation that we're raising. We've got to come alongside of these families and help them in the unique perspective of their family, be able to disciple their children and point them in the way that they should go. So I think that's one thing. And we don't know what sometimes to do with children that are From hard places. I think there's another piece though that kind of piggybacks off of that is because we don't know how to help and we kind of ostracize our nurseries, our children's ministry, our student ministries also don't know how to handle these kids at times. We don't have ways to be able to meet their needs. And so a lot of times families realize they're missing worship. They're not able to go into corporate worship because they're having to take care of their children. And so as a family, husband and wife are no longer going to corporate worship because one's having to stay packed to care for these kids with specialized needs. I think we've got to find a way to, to free up mom and dad to be able to worship. I think we have idealized what adoption and foster care looks like at times. And when the idealism wears off and we start to see families really struggle, we didn't resource them well enough. We didn't care for them well enough. We didn't wrap around them well enough. And so what ends up happening is instead of an idealized version of what adoption, I think today we're living with a fear of what adoption and foster care look like. And so it's almost like the pendulum has shifted from idealism to now fear and trepidation. And we've got to hit back in the middle to realize that the Lord is going to equip those that He calls. We also got to start stepping in with these families to equip them and and help ready them and ultimately to really be able to put them on a path. We have a cultural moment right now in our country that is scary and it's unfortunate and that is a lot of, of progressive governments are saying that foster parents need to make public accommodations within their privacy of their home and we're starting to see like in Washington state and some other states even saying that you've got to promote a transgender you know lifestyle within your home you have to adopt these non-biblical, new cultural norms into your home for your child. And it should. It scares Christian families to say, I don't want a public accommodation in my home. I want to be able to worship the God of heaven within the safety and the confines of my home. And it's scaring biblical-minded Christians to say, I'm not opening up my home for public cultural scrutiny.
0: A key to getting involved in adoption or foster care ministry is having the right kind of help. Thankfully, the Lord has raised up churches and organizations that have a plethora of experience and resources to share with others. One of those organizations is Lifeline Children's Services. Here's Herbie explaining how you can get in touch with Lifeline and what help you can expect to find.
1: You can get in touch with Lifeline on social media, Lifeline Child, and all the major resources. You can go to our website, lifelinechild.org. And what you're going to find first for your church is you're going to find those resources. We have trainings, we have a learning education portal where your church can get involved. There are written resources, video curriculums, everything you need to start an orphan care ministry, a foster care ministry in your church, but also to get trained from a trauma-competent, biblically-based way to say, how do we change our nursery and preschool and student ministries? How do we change our church to be a place that's welcoming for foster and adoptive families and foster and adoptive children. For that family, we're gonna give you a a litany list of ways that you can get engaged from family reunification to adoption and foster care. We also, for that family that might be an adoptive or foster family and they're struggling, we have biblical-based trauma-informed counseling and education as well for you to help you be able to reach the heart of your child ultimately, for the hope of the gospel of Christ Jesus. So we want to help you be able to walk the struggles out so that ultimately you can reach your child for Christ.
0: Perhaps the verse referenced most when it comes to talking about adoption and foster care is James 1.27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And it's easy to hear it so often that we become dulled to the truth. But there's no way around it. A life that honors God is one that cares for the vulnerable. And those most vulnerable among us are the little ones who are dependent upon us for their care. The particulars of our call to remember these precious children will be different. Some will be called to welcome children into their home while others use their voices to proclaim the worth of these little ones before legislators. Some will give financially, and some will pray fervently. For the sake of His name and the good of our smallest neighbors, may our Father give us all hearts and lives that proclaim with Jesus, Let the little children come to me. Join us next time as we continue our series on life.